This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This place is in a national park. It's an incredibly beautiful place. Nobody was there. But the pool is unheated, and it's March. But Sasha made me go in, and I was getting into it. I would just swim a length underwater and stay in for like 15 minutes. And it is, it's like, wakes you up. You know, you know who Wim Hof is? You ever seen any Wim Hof stuff? Mm, I don't think so. You never seen that dude? Uh, anyway, he's I don't this think dude. So. Who's that? Who's that? Who's he's, that? He's this like 60 year old dude, maybe he's like 55, who swims in Antarctica. No wetsuit. He just goes in Antarctica, dives under the water, swims. Sasha and I were watching his videos last year. So he's just like breathing exercises. So I was doing those and diving. This water wasn't that bad. It was probably like 55 or something, but it was pretty cold like to dive into a pool when it was raining out and chilly and staying in, but, uh, but it was nice. How you been, man? How was your last yeah, two weeks? I can't remember if I told the story on this, but yeah, my, yeah, my daughter jumped in the pool on her free will two weeks ago. So uh, she's crazy with that. It was very, very cold. Um, uh, so that, not, not much going on here. Um, yeah, you, were, uh, you went off the grid a bit too, right? Even off Twitter. Yeah, I was off Twitter uh, just because, it, you know, you can spend a lot of time on it, and I didn't want to be doing that. So I, I started, you know, but I was still online, uh, and I started going down this, like, math rabbit hole. Not really math, but yeah. gigantic numbers. And I even wrote an article on it a year ago. I made a number that I thought was the biggest number, like, of all time. I thought I was, like, breaking new ground with this number. And then I found out pretty quickly. I actually emailed all these guys who, like, do these videos on it. That I was, uh, I was pretty much amateur hour. I mean, it was like a good amateur effort that I made, but it was not even close to some of these numbers that these guys were dealing with. And the uh, the nerds were quick to to respond. Yeah, they were they were cool. I mean, you know, I mean, they were nice enough. One guy was a professor at MIT. One guy was a professor at Princeton. Some other guys, this British guy, kid, of course. Yes. Yeah. They uh, this British guy who does these videos on number files. It's really good. So here's my number. I don't know. I'll follow along as far as you can. Then we'll, we'll have to cut it. My number is, I, I started out, I saw a book like 30 years ago. And he said, in eight characters, you can create like an insanely large number. And the eight characters he used was nine factorial. You know what nine factorial is? Yeah. Yeah. A now, lot. Nine times eight times seven times six times five times four times uh, yeah, three times yeah, two. Yeah, 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 down, nine down, all the way down, right. yeah. 362,000, basically. 362,000 yeah. something. Two of the nine factorial. I don't know the exact number, but yeah, yeah. I know what factorial yeah, well, means. Yeah, yeah, I don't know the exact number either. I mean, even though I wrote it down. So it's nine factorial to the nine factorial, right? Raise the nine, it's 362,000 to the 362,000th power. 
Yeah, right? like, uh, that's insane. Yeah. Three, just take 300,000, even though the compounding effect is huge. To the second power is 9 billion. To the third power is 27 quadrillion. We're taking this to the 362,000th power. And then whenever you get that number that we can't even like wrap your mind around, you take that to the 362,000th power. That's eight characters. Okay. So when I say this, all right, well, that's nine factorial to the nine factorial to the nine factorial. But what if the first nine is a one and the second nine is a two and the third nine is a three? Well, we could take that to the fourth, another step. We could take that to nine factorial, right? But instead of going one, two, three, four, why don't we take that nine factorial steps just dot, 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 nine factorial. Do you understand what I'm saying? You still following? Kind of, kind of. I'm trying. So, you know, you're re- there's a power. It's basically called a power tower, but there's three of them in the beginning. Why not make nine factorial of the power towers? You oh, keep... Not, you're right. Yeah, okay. But then I said, let's say that that number would, equals X, okay? That, whatever that number is that we can't even... That's more than the permutations of atoms in the universe over the history of the universe. I mean, it's such a, it's an incomprehensible number doing that 360,000 times. But take that number and just say, whatever that number is, it's X, okay? It's a gigantic number. Then instead of 9 factorial, let's start over again with X factorial to the X factorial to the X factorial, just like we did before, and do that X factorial times, that power tower is X factorial tall. And then we say that equals Y. Then we do the same thing with Y, and that equals Z. And now our first term is 9 factorial. Our second term is X factorial. Our third term is Y factorial. Do that whole process where we started all over again, Y factorial times or Z times or whatever. Okay. So this is a number that you can't even, you, you've already, you, you can't, your brain can't keep, keep up with it. It can't, you can't even understand the compounding nature of this number. And then I said, okay, that's a pretty big number. It's not big enough. It's too small. Well, well, you know, factorial, we defined it in the beginning, right? Nine times eight times seven, you know, whatever, all the way down. But let's say, instead of, let's redefine it, instead of going down by ones, let's go down by one over Z's, you know, whatever that gigantic number is. And so if Z were two, we'd go nine times eight and a half times eight times seven and a half times seven. It'd be a lot bigger, right? Because be, there'd be way more terms. But I'd say one over some incredible, you know, it would go down so infinitesimally small each step and do another multiplication from that number. And then I said, do that all, you know, anyway, I'm going to stop here because radio, it's, it's not even easy to understand when I drew it out on a graphic in my article, but it, it's impossible to understand on a podcast. So this is a pretty gigantic number, right? Your mind is like mush when you think of it. And I, I emailed these guys and said, what about this number? Come on, this has got to compare to the numbers you guys put up. And I linked to it on my yeah. Twitter and they were like, oh, no, that's cool stuff that you're doing. But no, they're like, no. The, the guy who won the, is considered the highest number ever. It was a number duel that he had. He basically said uh, his number was, uh, he just basically said, using set theory, he used this thing, he said, basically, my number is the biggest number you could make using a, a Google symbols. He's like, you're thinking about it this way. He's like, your number is pretty big. But you could probably, you basically spelled it out with fewer than a thousand symbols. You could like, you know, explain it in mathematical symbols in a thousand symbols, like all those operations I described. He's like, right. mine takes a Google symbols. Yeah. You can't even, his is not even really like, you can't even think about it. But he's like, imagine you had a Google symbols, 10 to the hundredth power symbols to explain how many iterations of it. You know, the biggest thing he's like, so his was like more of a, 
a concept than a number, but that's number one. But there's some other ones. I don't know how much of this, this podcast I want to use up on this, but there's some other ones. Like there's this, you got to look at the videos, but this tree three, never drink tree three beers in one setting. Trust me. Don't ever do that. Tree one is like this like dot and line thing is one. Tree two is three. Tree three is a number so much bigger than the number I described. And the guy goes into it that it's, it's not even... It's not even like the amount of plank lengths in the universe, the possible ways they could be arranged over the history of the that's not even not even close to tree three. Then there's numbers bigger than that, you know, that they have all the way up to this Rayo's number. Rayo's the professor who emailed me, and he was the guy who said, Well, think of it this way, your number could be spelled out in less than a thousand symbols. Mine is a Google symbols. So I, I kinda I got defeated basically. Uh, a, I was told there'd be no math, and B, I don't feel like I am pressured to come up with a clever response because even the other professor, Andre, I heard you uh, throw this at him on XM, and he was kind of didn't really know how to respond either. So yeah, nobody's into it. I'm the only one who's into this, except for some crazy nerds out there. I thought like people were like, oh, that guy had the sickest football season with five thousand passing yards and five hundred, you know, the sickest thing ever. The people who are into like the craziest stats ever. Well, this is just the pure thing. This is the biggest number ever. But nobody cares. I'm into this. Nobody gives a shit. They're like, this is dumb. Why do you care about just purely the biggest number ever? I had to contemplate it. And uh, I do like that they responded to you, though. You know, you got good back and forth right away from the community. Yeah, from like these other freaks like me. But anyway, it was uh, that was when I was I was like getting deep down that rabbit hole during. My so that's how you spent your uh, your, your some of it. Yeah, yeah, a lot of it went doing math. Yeah, yeah. So sounds, sounds about right. Yeah. Anyway, I might have to edit out half of this because who knows? People are like, you can't cancel this podcast. You can't, and now they're going to be like, you wouldn't get canceled for the, uh, you know, for the political talk or the COVID talk or any of that. We got canceled for the math talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's spice this up. What else you got? What, what else is on your notes? List? So a couple things. So you know, so these guys responded to me. I also uh, on the account that I, that you wouldn't really be able to identify. I asked some. Tw- Bitcoin OGs, like offset questions that I had. And these are like, you know, the who's who. And they're just responding to me. You know, this account with eight followers. And it's just amazing, man. I mean, for all the shit that Twitter is and social media and the rotten society in which we live, it's pretty amazing to just like at a couple of, you know, really legitimate dudes with a, a, a sincere question about something that they care about. And this is the same thing. Right, when I right. when I showed them my article and I sent it to these math guys, they could tell I was serious, you know, at least. Right. I didn't, thought it right. through, I didn't understand what they did, but and it's the same thing. These guys gave me, like, great answers. And I was like, this is kind of crazy. It's, it's amazing. You can c- connect to the source. It is a great medium, although everyone keeps, you know, fearing that it's going away. And, it's, and last night alone, um, did you see that a bunch of big Bitcoin accounts were randomly suspended and then no one knew why, um, including like Plan B and Willy Woo. Yeah. And it was just supposedly just a, an algorithm that made a mistake and it was fixed within an hour. But for a while there, it's like, uh-oh, what, what's happening here? You know, algorithms are a problem, right? And this is like, this is a precursor. There was that stupid Tom Cruise movie, I forget what it's called, but about pre-crime. Minority Report. Minority Report. Minority Report. Minority Report. Yeah, that's, that's the movie. Where, you know, it's like you... You were in this place. You visit these websites. You had this conversation. Somebody with this with these details is ninety nine percent likely to commit a violent crime in the next twenty four hours. We're just going to arrest you now. And you're like, dude, I'm not going to commit a crime. And they're like, 
if we don't, no one knows, but it's 99%. It's just better safe than sorry. And, and of course, this is utilitarianism on steroids, which we're seeing in, you know, we've talked about this before in the podcast. Oh, well, if we're 99% sure, that's enough. If we're 99% sure that COVID is going to be incredibly dangerous to a huge amount of people, then we can just tell you you're not allowed to leave your house, even though you have a right to leave your house, uh, because the results are too dangerous. And anything that uses an algorithm, what would be general in general good, even though it's going to mess up with some specific things, uh, is going to do things like suspend the wrong account. Now, with Twitter, in their defense, getting the wrong account suspended for an hour is, is really not that big of a deal. But but you can see a lot worse happening. No, 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 no doubt about it. I just had to go there because you brought it up. But no, it's totally cool that those guys are all uh, you're able to. To get yeah, and, and just the different niches in the community, and the fact that yeah, people responding. It's funny that you have burner accounts, but it does make sense. Yeah, no, it's, that, not, yeah. it's not a yeah, burner. Like it. It's literally it's it's an it's an account where I can ask. Because think about it: if if you want to have a little bit of operational, you know, not be sort of like, hey, here's what I'm doing storage wise, or here's my idea, you know, attached to your real identity, and you want to ask somebody though who you respect and trust, it's not like asking a fancy question where you just go on, you know, go and at the guy, you know, I mean, it's, this is like, I could get very specific about things and get a good answer. Totally. So it's was, it yes. was cool. And no, I, I learned, sense. I learned some important things, which you and I can discuss uh, offline, but anyway, well, we're just bearing the lead as usual, but, uh, we're not at an all time high yet. We're just under 57,000. Uh, as we record this podcast, I suspect by tomorrow, maybe by the time this comes up, it could be an all time high. I just feel like the, the, you know, maybe we've said this before, the train has left the station, man. Yeah, or it could be down a ton. I mean, it still is volatile, man. It is. It does move like crazy amount in quick times. But, yes, uh, I, I agree with you. It just continues, continues to look so bullish. The concern now is just it's so bullish. Is the government going to step in? I mean, that, that, that's what I worried about when I when I saw the Twitter thing. That's everyone's the fear, right? That I guess that is. is it's so bullish and so good because, yeah, man, I hear you. The train has left the station and more and more. Uh, even like what JP Morgan, even the, the people that have been against it are all turning. So, I mean, it, it seems, it seems very, very, yeah. Yeah. What, I do, mean, you what do you thought? Are you worried about the, the government interference? I mean, I, I don't trust anything these people do. I think the people that put themselves in charge are just, they're just up to no good mostly, but I don't think this is one they can stop. I feel like, as you said, like the clients of these banks J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, they want exposure. And there's GBTC, the uh, grayscale, you know, they, they have like a, uh, it's kind of, it, it's in lieu of an ETF. It's, it's not an ETF. It's like a, you, you buy their trust, basically. You can buy it, trade it. Uh, I actually just bought a few shares. I've got this stock account. I'll just buy this. And it went up, of course. Hmm. But it wasn't much money. It was just like leftover cash that I didn't transfer. And everyone wants exposure to this. And so who are the clients of these people? These are the richest people in the country who are clients of these banks. And so who really runs the country? Well, it's rich people. It's the people that own the businesses that own the politicians and a decent critical mass, I think is already in. And I, I just think, and then, you know, we're, this is also a worldwide phenomenon, obviously. So it's, you know, clamping down has its own risks China seemed to try to do it a couple of years ago. didn't work. India's tried to do it. Nigeria tried to do it. I kind of feel like it's, I just don't think, I don't know. Maybe I'm underestimating it, and there's definitely people who want to shut it down. But I, I think that point is past. 
yeah, those places you named that did ban it, I think the amount increased afterward. But of course, it could be different here. But yeah, no, it's exciting times for sure. No, it's uh, it's uh, very. I'm very optimistic. I share your optimism, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's a crazy ride. It really is. Over the, what, if you look at it over the last six months, what it's what it's done. Well, if you just go back, you know, six months and it's ten grand or whatever, then there's no dip that can really freak you out. You know, it's like okay, well, big deal. You know, we've, we've been this is nothing. This is not even a, a thing. And people are like, oh, it's so volatile. You know, I don't know, but it's like it's it's volatile, but it's asymmetrically volatile to the upside. So you can, you know, we talked about this I think a couple of weeks ago. But you, how are you going to get these massive gains? If it never dropped, if it never dropped, everyone would already have been in it and they would already have been out of reach by the time you heard about it. The fact that it drops is, you know, is a lot of the reason why people can naysay it and not already drive the price up to unreachable levels. But there's no unreachable level, actually, because you just buy a smaller piece. But the volatility is a feature, not a bug. You can't make money on something that has no volatility. Yeah, no, I know, I know. And I, if you just treat it too, it's just, you know, a store of value and not worry about anything short term. Yeah. Um, definitely helps too. But yeah, no, it's exciting, man. One, one interesting thing, one nice thing. So we have these tenants, right? We rent our house out in LA and Heather the other day, he pays, like he just PayPal's me every month. And she's like, well, when did he, you know, when did Brian last pay you? And I'm like, uh, I think like February 12th. I don't know. He pays like before the 15th every month. And I checked my email. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's February 12th, whatever. And she's like, okay, she's asking me. And I was like, you know, the thing about him is I don't even think about him. Like, I never think about that dude paying me or whether he's going to pay. I just know that guy's going to pay me. And I was like, that's the best kind of tenant. It's not like he's a nice guy and he chats me up. No, he just, I don't even think about him. It's set. It's set and forget. And you know what? Like when, when there's any issue, like a plumber or anything they need, Heather calls the guy that day, pays whatever it costs, fixes it. They don't have to think about us. They just need to ask if there's something that, and they're not, you know, irresponsible. Like, you know, it's a regular amount of stuff that would happen, you know, in a house. So it costs us I don't know, a couple thousand bucks a year to fix stuff and we just do it immediately. And these guys just pay. And I'm like, that in most relationships is the ideal relationship where you never even consider that the person exists. It's just simply automatic. Like, think about that. Imagine you're like, people are like, oh, I love my boss. He's a great guy. No, it's best if you don't even know he exists. Oh, I love my employee. He does great work. No, it's best if that dude just gets it done and you don't even have to say a word about it. It's just done. It's, there's not even really interaction necessary because you both understand mutually your roles and the job is just done. And there's no you know, micromanagement or meddling and there's no you know, needing micromanagement or meddling. There's just people doing the thing that needs to be done, period. Sure, and it's all... And it's obviously easier to overlook unless they're doing something that sticks out too. You know, you don't really stop and do what you're doing right now. You know, being like, "Wow, I'm really uh, thankful that I never think, you know, forced to think of, of, you know, or deal with it." So, yeah, I hear you. Appreciating the the quietness. It's just like doing, you know, he pays the rent. Jinxing yourself too. Well, I, I know I am, I am. But it's like this dude. It's like he's perfect. You know, I don't. It's not like the last thing I want to do is have to worry about this. To have this be a thing to worry about. I don't worry about it. That's why Heather asked. I was like, I don't know. I think. But I just know it's like clockwork, so I hadn't, it didn't even occur to me like when specifically. Right. I just trust the guy. It's done. 
And, you know, there's a, there's a Tao Te Ching quote that's like, I should have pulled it up before this thing, but I didn't. But it's, it's a translation, obviously, because it's ancient Chinese. But this guy, Stephen Mitchell, made a translation. It was like, the best leader you don't even know is leading. You, you don't even know he exists. He's like, the, the next best leader is loved. The next best is feared. And the worst is one who's despised. He's like, the master leads by not even, you know, by, you don't really by, by just complete absence. And the people think, oh, we did it all ourselves. That's what, you know, they don't even know that he's given them the space to... Totally, yeah, right. that checks out, yeah. So that's how I feel. I feel like these, this dude is like, I don't even... I'm not saying he's enlightened or anything, but it's just like, it's just perfect. Like, why should I, you know, we don't need to get into it. It's just done. Anyway, I wish more things in my life were just like, you know, I don't know about your wife or something, you know. <laughs> I don't know my wife exists. You know, I don't think that's necessarily <laughs> a good thing. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, with just like business relationships, you know, it's just, it's better. Right, totally. So then there's another crazy thing. So this property that I told you about, right? That we're still haven't closed on since mm. September. Man, it's been forever. Yeah. Okay. So here's what happened. So we're all set to close March 9th, which is yesterday. And okay. So, you know, we have, we've given them the deposit in September, early September. And finally we give them the other 90% uh, and get the property. So maybe five days ago, uh, we get a call while I'm on vacation and it's like, ah, oh, there's a little bit of a problem you know, there were six brothers, six heirs to the property, and one of them died, and they figured out since he was dead, they didn't have to worry about him, but apparently his ex-wife from like 30 years ago, had, you know, says she's not going to sell, and that she has a claim, that she has a share. She's absolutely not selling, like regardless, for no price, even though that place is totally run down and uninhabited, like it's like a crazy... waited until a week, and they waited till a week before. Oh, like four days before the closing, or five days, okay, yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I write, I'm like, dude, I'm like, Heather, first of all, like, you know, we obviously can get our deposit back, but they have to give us double because they've taken so long if we want, but they have no money. They're like just poor country people who have this house that was in their family. So we're never going to get that money. So I was like, just, just give us not even your deposit. You're saying, no, well, we hope, I hope the deposit, they're not supposed to spend that, that. but they should be on the hook for a double, but whatever. I don't need to punish them. They're just, they're just a bunch of, you know, unless it's like a scam, which I don't think it is. I think they're just fucking disorganized. And like Portugal's a real nightmare with all this paperwork and bureaucracy. But anyway, so, but they shouldn't list it. They have their shit. So not in order. If this is even true, actually, if this is even true, that, there's some other person with a claim, and now they can't do it. Okay, that, that's what I'm told. So I'm just like, I know, I'm like, just, and we also spent a couple grand on the architect, you know, to like draw up stuff, you know, get, you know, to get it going because we're waiting so long. So that money will never get back. So, I mean, this is not a lot of money. This is cheap, you know, property. But anyway, so, so then I'm like, all right, screw it. Just get the money back and just, just say, look, if you ever get your act together, come back to us. But, you know, we probably moved on by then. Anyway, a day later, the guy calls us. Oh, no, no, no. They found a paper from 20 years ago where that brother renounced his share in the property and got paid to renounce his share. So his ex-wife has no claim at all. And now they just need to run that paper by, by a lawyer, by this, the solicitor who like organizes this whole thing and makes sure it's, everything's good. And you know, when she gives the green light, then we can just go through. It just might be delayed a few days. So I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So then a few days later, like nothing happens and Heather calls the guy and he's like, yeah, yeah, she's just looking at it. Um, it's just going to be maybe a few more days. And Heather's like, well, just give me the money back and then, you know, we'll send you the whole thing when, if, when we close. And he's like, well, this is a broker. He's like, well, there's no point because if you close in a few days, you're going to they'll send you the money. You just send it back. And he's like, let me just talk to them and, and I'll let you know tomorrow. I'll talk to the lawyer if it checks out this paper. And, I, and I'm like, all right, well, just 
but this is almost like a scam. It's so ridiculous. Oh, like she's some sixth person at the last 11th hour is not selling. And then, oh, wait, they found a piece of paper at the 11 and a half hour that says that that's okay. We've got to wait a little bit longer. I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what the hell this is. It's like, it's luckily it's like cheap property here's cheap. And you know, we're going to, we're not uh, fancy people. We weren't buying a giant mansion. We're going to build a nice house on it, but it was a, a little, you know, a little property. I mean, it's four acres, but it's like countryside. So I don't know. I don't know what the end is to this, but this is, you know, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, a lot of turn of a, a lot of a turn of events there. So you're just waiting literally until like tomorrow then to hear back. Yeah, and then you know, and then Heather's going to say, okay, if they don't like set a closing date and you know show us like send us a copy of the verified document that shows that the crazy woman does not have any claim and right. then send that to our lawyer who we also wasted 600 euros on to check out the document make sure it's also legit if that's not happening tomorrow then we're just gonna say give us the money back you know we're, we're no longer interested until all your ducks are in a row and then you can come back to us and you know we, we can decide whether we want it but it's just like I was, I was like hoping I was like really hoping to have like construction underway and have like this country retreat that like do you have do you have alternatives i know you've been looking around in the meantime and you guys you showed up like boss in that one uh oh yeah when you when your scarf yeah yeah with my mini dog and my scarf uh yeah we've been looking and there's some opportunity there's some options you know some are more expensive and stuff and like um this one was just a good deal it was just that there's there's i told you 20 so you are rooting for well now i'm a little sour because i feel like maybe that crazy woman will sue us even if they she doesn't have her you know when you have a crazy person involved that's like always bad and like i don't i feel a little like this is scammy like what what's going on here it seems too ridiculous i'm just kind of like and like just eat the rest of it i'm not gonna like go to ballistic on like a bunch of random country folk who just like didn't have their shit together you know and and it's just and portugal makes everything so difficult too so it's very uh very annoying i mean i know it's a first world problem but it's it's a it's not really a first world problem it's really a third world problem because this is the third world dealing with the shit i was gonna say that yeah i was wondering if that is that's funny um I, uh, well, yeah, sorry to hear that's not going more smoothly. Let me know how, yeah, how it goes. It's a cliffhanger. I know, but it just Wait pisses me off, man, because my whole dream is to have like a, you know, compound that's super nice. You know, it'd be like an old house. It's not going to be like a McMansion, although we'd build a second, you know, we'd build nice stuff on it. But it has 20 fig trees, 20 olive trees, peach trees. It's got a nice view. It's like really chill. And, you know, that's, it just bums me out because I'm just like powerless to, to make this happen. I'm just, you know, we've done everything we could and I can't make it happen. It's just this bureaucracy that just swallows everything. And just in, yeah, I want to come visit people. you eventually, you know, yeah. visit, you know, a few years from now, I'm going to eventually yeah. come visit you. So have, have a compound, by this sweet place, you know, but uh, who knows? Okay. So, so then, okay. Last thing before we get to sports, you might have some stuff too, but so Jeff was talking about how he finally just bought a new monitor, like a 32 inch monitor for 200 bucks. And his whole like right. life is better because like you can when you're hosting the show you can have reads on one screen and like uh, you know look at like look at RotoWire and look at the updates on the other and you got the whole thing. I have two monitors and I have this this thing called a, a Cal Digit Deck, three hundred bucks for the deck, three hundred bucks for one of my monitors, a hundred for the other. You know, seven hundred bucks. I got a sweet setup and I'm thinking of getting like a third monitor. And you're like, if you were a professional baseball player, you'd have like a the nicest baseball glove. You wouldn't skip on your cleats or your glove. Why do we skimp on this kind of equipment 
when it's like what we do and it's not even expensive relative to like a car or like other, you know, going out to dinner a lot or whatever. And yet we live with like shitty old equipment because we're like, oh, no, no I don't want to spend, I don't want to get a new monitor. My old crap monitor. It's not that bad. Totally. I heard you guys talking about that. I was nodding my head. I agree. Um, although I can't say I'm as guilty, my wife would accuse me of the opposite, which I'll get to next of uh, spending too much money. But I've never been a big like I don't care about cars or anything, but things like that, devices, uh, computers, I've, uh, I, I have because that's what I live on. I, I do try to get the newest uh, iMac when it comes out. So, yes, agreed, man. I mean, get it and you'll Jeff will be well, especially with reads like you're saying, XM three hours a day or two hours, whatever. That's definitely uh, Jeff will, will be happy to do I'm sure. Yeah, this, this deck is awesome though because you just get a laptop and you can plug it into the deck and then the deck will plug into like multiple monitors, speakers, everything and then when your laptop gets old and then, then you buy a new laptop you know, for your laptop but then your old laptop becomes your desktop because of this, this CalDigit thing. So this dock, I guess it's called, station or whatever it is. So now like my Mac from 2016 is my desktop and the battery doesn't work and the keyboard's totally, all the keys are like, you can't read them and the the body's totally warped and bent, but it's perfect. It's fine. You know, it's like, I don't care. It just sits on my desk. Right. Totally. Nice. Sounds good. Anyway. Um, All right. So I have one thing before we get to sports is just, uh, I started off by, I was going to say that man facebook is specifically has been ad targeting me like crazy with different meats and uh, i just got to tell you how nice it is all the different companies to search i just found that funny because i know how much you hate that stuff but it is hilarious how just out in the open they are targeting me um because it sees what i've searched on the internet it's pretty funny but wait wait till it becomes illegal to have meat and meat eaters get persecuted uh you'll, you'll love that then yeah, I won't. You're right. Yeah, I, who, yeah, I won't be laughing then. But found some different Wagyu. Do you have any opinion on like Wagyu health or versus like grass-fed American meat? By the way, I don't know. I, the fat has the vitamins. You know, that's that's basically the rule. Like fat-soluble vitamins A, D, K, all the stuff that uh, really is necessary for your health is in the fat. So I think the more fat, the better. But obviously, um, fat with that is from grains that animals eat that they don't really, it's not part of their natural diet is probably got more omega six in it and grass fed has more omega three, but in general, the more fat, the better. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Cause Wagyu has a ton of fat, but I think it's definitely more, the more I've researched it, more grain fed over like in oh. Japan and whatnot. But, um, I don't think I'm going to be eating enough of that, uh, to, to totally take right. me. But anyway, it's interesting to, to look anyway. So I ordered a few, different places try to do a few different things in meat even some wagyu tallow because i finally fired up my cinder that i talked about uh for for months now and uh and cooked myself on on uh, basically a glorified foreman on my phone it told me the exact temperature you know when it was and then i seared it afterwards so anyway my point is the story is i ordered some different meat on the internet tried here and there and then my buddy who had been uh talking about uh for a while calls me the next day and he has like basically a, he said a quarter cow but i think he gave me yeah he showed up with a 120 pounds of meat delivered to me so my wife's like what as as other things keep getting delivered that i ordered 120 pounds of meat so i need to i'm using her her grandma's uh freezer right. store this, freezer space. This, uh, this yeah. Ca- yeah this carrot fed meat that my buddy gave me too so it's pretty funny this uh this tomahawk steak looks like a flintstone thing it's three pounds it's absolutely insane i definitely need a someone who's more of a real man than me to barbecue it for me but uh yeah that's i would cook that I'm, I'm i would over, eat that overloaded 
overloaded with meat here and uh, pretty pumped. And I also, like I asked you, thanks for your help. I, I even found a fairly local place, not super local, but in within, uh, uh, you know, 100 miles that could get some raw milk and kefir. And oh. I got some kefir that came with like turmeric in it and uh, ginger and it was delicious. And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kefir is better if you're lactose, if you worry about lactose, right? Right. Yeah. If you if you drink raw milk and you're lactose intolerant, you may be heading to the uh, to the bathroom pretty soon afterwards, as you found out on our trip. Yeah. At your peril. That well, you found- got some, yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I got some probiotics and uh, prebiotics. Um, it's uh, legit. Anyway, and I, it's delicious too. Very weird taste. And I had my, paid my daughter five dollars to try it, and she she went crazy. The the taste was not not a Pirelli. But uh, anyway, that's uh, that's all I got. Let's talk some let's talk some sports. So all right, let's talk a little sports. But I, I'm down with the uh, the raw kefir for sure. And I wish we had. I, I'm sure in Portugal it exists. It's illegal. But I'm sure you can buy it directly from a farm or somewhere. Some of that stuff. Uh, there's there's that whole scene here too. All right. Well, I want to first talk about Beat Chrysalis too. You weren't in it. You were too cowardly to join this one, but that's all right. Um, I filled it up pretty quick and I went uh, first eight picks were all hitters. what did you think of that team? Yeah, that did not happen. I uh, was not invited to this one. I actually did one with Jeff. It was, uh, yeah, it was you fun, took the easy I'm, one. Easy yes, way out. Yeah, I, I don't know if you do a third one, maybe I will, but um, I don't have it in front of me. But um, I remember your team was pretty good because I remember the pitchers ended up getting. I was uh, pretty pretty surprised, but it seemed good. So go over your team. Yeah, so I I took Yelich over Trout. I'm a little bit regretting that in round one. That was my choice. Cole and Degrom went right before me. So once I saw that, I kind of knew I was going hitting because I was thinking of going hitting because the ball, if it gets like too dejuiced, I think could be like an opportunity for hitters. But I took Yelich for the steals, but I think maybe I should have gone trap. But whatever, it is what it is. I still like Yelich. 100%, 100% coin flip for me. I, yeah, yeah, no opinion. Yeah. I think I could go either way. I could have gone either way. I went Yelich. Uh, round two, I took Harper. It's either him or Lindor. I have Lindor in the one that you're in. The Mets park is bad. So I was like, all right, I don't want to load up too much on that. And then round three, I took Eloy Jimenez. I could have taken Scherzer to, and been a nutless monkey and sort of, you know, it's, you know, it's like going zero running back or going one running back. Oh, I'm going to take the, you know, like the one running back strategy. But I was like, I'm going zero. Like, I'm not, you know, let, let's do this for real. So I took Eloy. Of course, Scherzer goes. And I take Vlad in round four, yeah. Glaber Torres in round five, Javi Baez. You, you kind of convinced me on Javi Baez. He wasn't really on my radar until you took him and I started looking at him. Round six. Moncada in round seven, Kettle Marte in round eight, and then finally in round nine, I was looking at Lizardo, but he went. And then I took Paddock. Paddock was going to like round three last year, round four. I'm like, there's something wrong with him. He's fine. And then I took Granky, and I got Urias. I took Robles because uh, I need some speed. I got Kluber, Price, Soroka, and then I got a bunch of closers that I'm happy with, like Pomerantz and Melanson and Greg Holland. And uh, then I got Garrett Hampson and Gavin Lux. Matthew Boyd. I don't know. I just love this team. It's just, I got like, I feel like I got the pitchers I wanted. Love Vlad. Um, love Makata. I think he just, you know, dealt with COVID last year. He had great stat cast deals all before that. He could blow up. Kettle Marte, wasn't he the batting title champ the year before? Yeah, in a full season. Uh, yeah, right. in a, I mean, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, in round eight, I love it. So only, the only argument I would have here, and it was glaring um, until you kind of, kind of, bounce back here. Who is your speed? If you go eight straight hitters, you didn't really get many bags, but getting Robles, who I have gotten in a few places, uh, hit and lead off. And if he lives up to his projections, that'll help. And even Garrett Hampson, 
even like eaten later. So uh, Hampson and Robles are going to be huge because uh, I do like most of everything else you did here and what you're saying and all that. Uh, Paddock, I guess specifically, the argument is he needs to develop a third pitch, and that was the argument leading into last year, Can he, and, and he got battered by the lefties and, and all that. So that, that's just the argument there with him, but I don't really have a, a, a total opinion. Maybe he does develop a third pitch. David Price, what about him? I, I know you're all in on him, and then suddenly it's like, oh, he may not even start. He couldn't love that, but what are you going to do? Well, I think he'll start. I think they were saying that like if he, if he can't ramp up to 90 pitches or 80 pitches, they're just saying like they're not going to just force it. But I'm sure he's getting paid like – 26 mil or something he's going to be starting if he's if he's able to if he's physically able to i think gavin lux gavin lux upside uh nate pearson's throwing uh, the hardest thrower in spring right now averaging like 98.6 or something so yeah this is not not bad man i mean even like the the guys boring like brinky and kluber will like get it done soroka i think he was returning from what an achilles or whatever but um no this is this is this is a solid uh solid try because if there's any year to do something drastic why not make it this year so i like the eight straight hitter yeah and so right especially robles robles is huge for you in round 12 that's why i had to take a break from the pitchers it cost me it cost me somebody that i wanted i think it actually didn't a gossman maybe i I would have liked but But yeah. but no, that would have helped because he's a strikeout guy. But so what? No, but I, I have more bags than you think. And remember, bags are way down now. I have Yelich and Harper. Yelich is going to see like twenty two. Harper will see like fifteen. And then uh, Baez steals like ten. He, he's stolen twenty five or something before. Moncada steals like yeah, 10. even Moncada. Moncada and, and Marte stole ten in two thousand nineteen. So like, I'm not that light on bags. It's just I I was light on bags, as you said, for a team that took eight hitters. You know, it's like if you have eight hitters, then you'd probably have more bags. But I was you know I was light for that. But I wasn't light like relative to the rest of the league. And then once I got Robles and Hampson, now I'm like fine. And then there were saves there. You know, obviously these pitchers, they're all like, you know, cool upside pitchers, but, and, you know, they could, you know, six out of seven of them could fail, you know, that, that's the risk, but whatever. There's always a risk. Of course your team could suck. Yeah. I have a, a few bias, and hopefully that, whatever, the in game video frustrated them last year and whatever. These guys, I've been a lot of uh, just, I wrote like an ADP article, and I just realized most of the people I like are just guys that sucked last year. Yeah, you know? that's, who I, um, that's who I took. Every, every pick was, was that. It's like literally every pick was just a guy who wasn't good last year. Yeah, I led that column, and I've written a couple times now about him. I'm drafting him. I'm sorry, uh, it's Buxton, dude. I'm like kind of in. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I'm in on Buxton too. I'm totally in. I would I would have taken him, but he went. Where did Buxton go? I think I was in the pitching. At the, oh, I took Paddock, and then he went right after me. I mean, I could have taken Buxton instead of Marte, but I had three straight outfielders to start the draft, so I didn't really need to. Yeah, get another outfielder and. Yeah, I mean, I, I have one share of bucks, and I'll have more, for sure. So, uh, so yeah, I'm doing basically, uh, I haven't done too many more money ones because the industries keep me busy with TGFBI and the Raz Slam, which are, you know, they're fun, but it is kind of stre- uh, always to be on the, worry about being on the clock right. soon uh, is, is right now. And what about labor or tout? I haven't, I'm not in labor anymore, and I've never was in tout. Are you doing, where are you these days in those? I'm doing tout. Um, you know, I'm the defending champ of tout. I can't just ditch now. I oh, should. Real man, okay. real man walks away after a two-month championship and just <laughs> says, that's it. I'm retiring. Uh, no, uh, I uh, I'm doing it. You know, it's it's online, doing it remotely, and you know I like tout. It's only leagues are just kind of like you just it's like a war of attrition, really. 
Oh, the last summer I lost. I had Judge and Verlander and Matt Chapman. Somehow I won, but but the thing is like. I don't know. I don't know, actually. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm not really sure how it went. I had some good players, but n- not that many guys who like crushed. It's just like a war of attrition, right? It's almost like a best ball. Like you get a bunch of guys, and if your guys yeah. stay healthy, you're going to be in contention. It's not. It's it's less about projections. Less fab work. Less fab work too. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, with tout you can get minor leaguers, so you got to kind of stay on it. Like who's doing well? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, speaking of which, I think I might do another like draft champions or like a a bigger money one, because the more I think about it, um, that would be especially if I want to do more drafts and they're fun, even though it's complaining about the slow drafts. Well, actually, draft games, I think you could do them fast, but I did a two hour one and it was done in like two days. But because of uh, because of just uh, the the no fab aspect, you know, I think um, I think I might do a couple more of those just because that's what I'm most worried about is the in season. uh, How many how many do you have right now? I think I have just two rotowires, you and Jeff, and then one draft champions. Um, I did a best ball in football, and, I, and it has me excited about Aaron Jones. I have AJ Dillon and Jamal Williams, so I'm all like, sign elsewhere, Aaron Jones, right. sign elsewhere. You see, Sa- see Saquon, by the way, uh, switch his profile. I was waiting to t- uh, have this in a note for you. Uh, oh, yeah. I sent it to you. Do you know what I'm going with? Yeah, there? yeah, yeah. Because no? even, even Davis Maddock, who is such an apologist for Sam Darnold over Barkley, despite so much evidence to the contrary, finally said the Giants did the right thing when he saw that Saquon put Bitcoin in his profile. Oh, Bitcoin. <laughs> he, he got broken by that. He couldn't, couldn't hold off any longer. That was, that was the last straw. So, yeah, that's cool. I love that dude. I love Saquon already. Now I really love that dude. Totally, yeah. So he put Bitcoin in his uh, yeah, Twitter profile. So, but anyway, now I'm also doing TGFBI, Raz Slam. I'm doing this bar local like Bay Area league and like a couple home leagues. It'll just add up with stuff like that, you know. But I'm and I definitely want to do a couple uh, more rotowires and certainly main events. So, um, yeah, it adds. Are up. you doing the, like I'm saying, draft champions without the fab? Right. Are you doing the uh, friends and family league this year? Yeah, I'm sure that P&L will will fire that up. He, yeah, I'm sure we'll do that. That's a lot of work. That'll yeah. be another. I mean, that's good. That was <laughs> yeah, good and bad. That was good and bad. It's good because it's not like Sunday night. It doesn't add to your load on Sunday night. But totally, it lasts your load twenty four seven. And you know, I'd be like in Finland, you know, on a vacation. I'd be like trying to get crappy internet on my US cell on the Yahoo app, trying to set my lineup for the day and make sure that I didn't have like a you know a guy who wasn't playing in there. And I'm like, dude, I can't do this anymore. This is too much. I it's every day. But it was a fun league because the good thing about that league was that, like, let's say you see a guy, you know, I watch a lot of baseball, like midnight to one, like that one hour, like when it starts, two or three innings, slip around, I have the MLB package, and I'll see like a guy, a pitcher deal or something like, you know, you see something and you can just react to it right away. You can act on it. You don't wait till like three days later, the hype train starts and then now you got to bid a ton on him in, in fab. Right. Yeah, no, I know. I, I don't know. I forget the exact, the last iteration, but I think they tried to make it less labor intensive. But yes, it used to be very, yeah, it had to be totally on it. And there were, there were like, Razball had teammates in that league, so they were oh. on, and PNF was on, on the waiver wire, so you could not get any closer. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. Or you're like, yeah, I got this guy. And you're like, ah, oh, man, this guy got it three hours ago. And yeah, yeah it, was, it was tough, you know, but it was, it was still a fun league. I, I really liked that league. But yeah, that was, that was one. My but home league, so I quit. Drafting. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I quit my home league, Mr. Beams League. That was, the, that was the guy who got me into fantasy sports when I was in law school in the 90s, the mid-90s. You know, so like 1995, he got me my first fantasy football league. I think he and I were doing baseball 
then too. I know in the summer of 96, we were splitting a baseball team. I don't know if that was the first year I did baseball, but you know, I quit that dude's league. I felt bad. You know, it's, I would have, I don't know when I would have got into fantasy sports were it not for him. No, it makes sense. I, I get it. And you don't do these other ones, the, the industry, the, the Raz Slam, TGFBIs. Like, it's so many. I mean, it's, that's, that's, again, what I'm saying. I'm worried about the in season management part, but it's so fun, these drafts, man. And it's the strategy in, in baseball. It's just, uh, and if you look at the different ADPs that, that change from like a month ago, it's, uh, it's fun. So, so. Yeah, I've definitely been into it. I've, I've placed a couple of long shot bets. Too. You could ask me on, we could actually go some, maybe a topic to go on XM tomorrow too. But um, quickly, I went uh, Corbin Burns 40 to 1 to win the Cy Young in the NL. And I had to get Otani before he kept dropping further, but it, to win the MVP at 30 to 1. I know they have Trout there, but I have the Angels winning that division. And if that dude's going to pitch and hit homers, I don't know. What do you think about that? What do you think? Just the, 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 not the enough. differentness there. Yeah, but 30 is not enough. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. It needs to be like 100. Because, yeah, I just, I can't see, like with Trout there, I mean, here's, here's the scenario where you win. If Trout gets hurt for like a month or two, and, you know. Which he, he always does. Right, okay. he does every year now. And he has like a six and a half war anyway because he's so ridiculously good so he propels the angels to their wins but but he doesn't have the stats he has like 28 home runs you know and his on base percentage is 460 but you know it's only for four months and so the angels get the wins because of that but his his stats aren't that cosmetically good and otani gets like a little win luck so he wins like 13 or 14 games era 290 with like a lot of strikeouts and then he hits like 15 home runs and bats like 290 he could that, that's but that's more than 30 to 1 all that stuff i think he he's a lefty in between a bunch of righties including trout and rendon and angels parked three years ago they moved their fences in and it's been coors field for lefties for power there's just no other lefties there for some reason they don't that's why jared walsh is interesting um so like secretly basically for power he hits in coors field i know right. that's not publicized but yeah. he does and if he's throwing 99 i mean he had surgery like that's why his control was all mad I think he was right. pitching hurt last year i don't know that dude's young he's like again just the fact that it's a unicorn is going to be so unique i think the narrative will be there so i don't know i kind of I, I hear he'd be nicer more i think he was 40 to 1 probably before he threw that 99 or whatever but um but uh, he's just he's just so far from it though like you know someone like burns you know, I'm talking about the skills, but like someone like Burns, like he was a dominant pitcher. All those central pitchers, I'm starting to get real dubious about because it's like they all dominated so crazily, and I, I think the competition had a lot to do with it. I know, but now there's still a pitch in the central, and he, no DH this year, and they improved their. Like I said, I'll go in more in detail next time. But they, right. they improved their their defense so much. Yeah. They added Colton Wong at second, Jackie Bradley also. Yeah, that's Navarre right. As a catcher. Number, right. The number one pitch framer last year was their catcher. Um, he just went was just a monster in the second half. And if no one throws 220 innings, um, I don't know. I like their defense. And that park increases K's like the most of any park. Really? Um, one so other, maybe Woodruff, I should get back on. I was sort of off of Woodruff because I was like, his track record is, is. Hold on. To be fair, it's second. Let's not exaggerate. It's second. But I think number one is his track record, right? I, I like everyone was on Woodruff like early third, and I was like, "Give me Glass now, give me like." I don't know, not that Glass now has this great track record either, but I was like, I felt like Woodruff was getting pushed up based on a great summer and then like a good 2019, but like I don't know, it just seemed like that was a, a risky player that had one good year and then a good summer, uh, especially in a bad park. But now that you're talking about defense and 
that that part gives extra Ks, although that's already priced in, right? We, he's already got the extra Ks that we saw. But if, if the, uh, the defense is a good point, that they got significant upgrades at defense. Significant. Yeah, the Mets and the Reds are the two other parts that, that help with uh, Ks. But, um, yeah, um, I guess the Woodruff is dealing with some sort of injury now, too. Um, but hopefully, assuming that's fine, um, yeah, no, again, no, uh, no DHs here. But I hear you. Their schedule was really easy last year in Burns. Whatever. It's. I. I say that I worry about. You know, I draft all the guys who sucked last year, except for Burns, who I'm highlighting big time and treating like uh, you know he's that new pitcher, that level. So, um, whatever, forty to one. Um, I'm also in on the Nets, and I don't care about uh, hoops, but um, went on them. And then one other long shot. This one you'll laugh at, but I don't care. Um, I went the Broncos at fifty to one. Because how I look at it is they have like a, I don't know, a, a top three or five defense right now, and they're the favorites to sign Deshaun Watson. So that, that that's my theory. I like so the Broncos. Really yeah, that's a good bet. That's a good bet because one thing happens yeah. and suddenly they're like, what, eight, nine to one? I mean, with Deshaun Watson and the defense yeah. and the receivers that are there, I mean, that would be ridiculous. So that's yeah, and like I said, they're li- they're listed as a favorite to sign him, and he's apparently is really locked in to leave. I know other other side claims that no way they will trade him, but so that's the other long. So you do like you you sign off on the Broncos at fifty to one. Don't love my uh, my baseball long shots. So. No, I think you know because and I'll, okay, not only are those guys because um, you know okay, so let's say Burns is what like the twentieth pitcher off the board or whatever. I'm, I'm looking at this board for my breakfast. Degrom, Cole, Bieber. That's three. Bowers four, Darvish, Gilito, that's six, Bueller seven, Nola eight, Castillo nine, Kershaw ten, Woodruff eleven, Flaherty twelve, Scherzer thirteen, Gallon fourteen, Glassnow fifteen, Snell sixteen, seventeen, Strasburg eighteen, Burns. Okay, so he's eighteenth pitcher off the board roughly. So, you know, you think, oh, that should be like seventeen to one, right? He's the eighteenth pitcher off the board, but he's the eighteenth. So like Degrom gets like five of the. It's not like he and Degrom are just equally likely, or he and Cole, or well, I guess. But you know, the thing is, it's only one league, right? So you're right. It's it's like more like, you know, most of these guys are in the NL though. So it's like you know, thirteen of the guys are NL guys or so, maybe more. And you're like, okay, he's one of thirteen, but Degrom and Bauer and Darvish. And Bueller and, and Nola, they, they have, they're much more likely to win than, you know, a guy that's the, whatever, the 13th pitcher in the NL. Basically, you're never getting two odds with Vegas, and it's just for fun, whatever. But uh, second highest spin rate last year in four-seamer behind only Bauer. I'm in on them. I think the Brewers could sneakily win that division, too, because of, uh, again, their defense. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know, which meaning hopefully he gets some wins. But um, but maybe it's uh, it's far-fetched. Uh, maybe. Burns, yeah, pro- Burns will probably hurt his sore elbow by the time this even gets published. By the time we post uh, this. I'm try- I guess yeah. who, who I would like for Cy Young, I, I pick a guy on a good team. So you get a lot of wins, like, like a good, like an obvious team. I mean, what, what are Kluber's odds for the Cy Young? Yeah. Number three. I didn't have him open. You know, like yeah, you get 100 to 1 for that. To me, that would be a good, like I'd, yeah. I'd take one of those. Uh, you know, it's got to be a guy, I don't know. Like the, old, the old guys, huh? I like I the old guys. Kluber, right? I yeah. And Kluber, uh, only 15 to 1. That's it? Yeah, that's horrible. That's that's horrible. Fifteen to one. The AL though, there's just fewer pitchers too. I mean, it's like I was like, it's like Cole Bieber, Cole yeah, Bieber, Julio. Last now at nine to one is where yeah. I go there for sure. Yeah, but that's also a horrible bet. Even though I like Glass now, I think he could. He just the, he reminds me of Randy Johnson. He's like six eight and. It just needs to like harness it, but it's like he's close. He was he was close, you know. He he dominated 2019 before getting hurt. 
seems like he's close to it. You're right. All these odds suck. It's like I also wanted to bet on the Rams. I'm like, with Stafford, that defense are for sure. They're like, whatever. The Rams are like 12 to 1, like 6 to 1 to win the NFC. It's like there's no – it's not worth it, you know. And the, you're right. I should be getting far more with these with Tawny and Burns, but whatever. We oh. talked about this before, but what there needs to be is real peer-to-peer betting. And I don't know why they can't – I mean, it's not the easiest thing to program, but, you know, like you put it out there. You want 100 bucks and you want – you're willing to, you know, you want thirty to one on on Burns, or you know, you want you, you put your number out there that you think's you know fair, but a little bit less than the true odds, and someone out there takes it. They take the bet. Now it would be hard to find people individually to to give up a fifty to one long shot bet at hundred bucks and have to pay five thousand. They lose, but no you definitely get no. But you would definitely get like syndicates of people who would do that. They you know they would determine the odds. They take enough bets, and you know they they'd become. I don't know. Like it'd be like those like eBay sellers or something. You know, they'd have like there'd be like a little shop that takes some of this stuff, take your bets, because these the books that are doing it, it's it's so corporate and so. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's so many regulations to be that that there's so many expenses to all that stuff that they have to just give you a bad price. And if you did this like really lean, where it was just like an online peer to peer marketplace that you didn't have to license yourself as a as a gambling outfit or something like that. Then uh, you know they could operate on a shoestring budget and just make little bits off of each of the odds. You know, someone like I mean, Rufus could take you know pick off your bets if he thought you know that that your bet was too generous or something. Yeah, isn't that called like paramutual betting? Is what horse race betting is basically, right? I mean, isn't that? I mean, I don't know why sports family doesn't try to kind of emulate that. Well, they do. They do move the. I mean, they move it manually. It's you know, like it moves automatically. I think if you bet on a horse, but. But, but, you know, it would just be a market. You know, you and I make bets all the time, right? But if imagine that you and I, there was, you know, 100,000 people like us. And you're like, oh, I like this guy. And you put it out there. Or you look for the, the opposite side of a bet. And you're like, oh, like I think Ozzy Albies is like crazy overdrafted. I talked about the show today. And like if someone's like Ozzy Albies, well, it's not that I, you know, I could win MVP. Anybody could have a blow up here. But like over, under for whatever it is they think it is. You know, you find that out there and take the, see someone on the other side of it. If there was a big enough market, just like options, you can trade options on stocks of all different durations. And there's market makers that pick all that stuff off and sell it to somebody else. This should be the same with sports betting. There should be like all these market makers, and but it should be like you know a wide open peer to peer trading system, not this these these bad uh, outfits that just they can't give you a good price. They it's just they can't, and they're also terrified of. You know the Rufus Peabody's coming in and eating their lunch too, so they just make these, you know, they, they make these prices that sort of those guys are going to ignore because they know they're terrible, and then just the retail guy comes in and, and takes a bad bet for the entertainment value. Yeah, no, it's 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 frustrating. This setup, the, yeah, the, uh, you're right. Though the numbers here are not, not. But you want to bet. You you want to be able to. I mean, fantasy is great, right? But how great would a product be where not just playing fantasy, but if you and I, you know, you really like a player who's going to blow up this year. You can just invest in that separately because what sucks is like, let's say Burns mm-hmm. wins the Cy Young and you have him on four teams, but those teams suck for some other reason. Yeah, you were totally right about this, but you didn't get paid at all due to stuff that wasn't related to it. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, no, they need to, yeah, come on, come up with some site here or something. You can figure it out, Liz. I'm just the ideas guy. I'm just the one who gives out billion dollar ideas for free. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't actually execute on anything. You know, I'm just, I just yeah. talk. <laughs> All right, man. Good stuff. Good to be back.
got any uh, TV? You got any uh, TV lists coming out or anything like that? Yeah, so Golden Globes were uh, were over the break. Um, a couple movies I could throw at you. Uh, Saint Maud is kind of a, a crazy dark movie. Nomad Land was good. It's going to win all the rewards. Awards. It was good. Um, Promising Young Woman. I had a number one movie uh, uh, on my my year end list. Uh, so yeah, Promising Young Woman for the, a movie is what I'll throw as my recommendation for the week. Um, and that's all I got. List. Uh, good stuff, man. All right, man. Take it easy, gentlemen.